Hello and welcome to the Three Pints Betting Podcast with myself, James from the Betting Desk, Tom Love from We Love Betting Gold and Jerry Taylor from Jerry Taylor's Tips. Evening chaps, how are we? Hi, not bad, mate. Yeah, all good, lads. It's all good. Excellent. Uh, looks like COVID's finally done. Hopefully, less games postponed, less players <laughs> isolating, uh, which means that the betting might become a little bit easier. Yeah, hopefully. I think that everyone's kind of struggled the last kind of month, month or two with it all coming back. It makes preparation that much harder, and especially when you're recording these a couple of days before the weekend. Um, it's a, a lot of wasted time, <laughs> so hope, hopefully, yeah, we pass that. I mean, there was only two or three games in the AFL called off last weekend, I think. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, I think I spoke to you boys before last week's show, and uh, I'd done some prep on on one of the only games that had been called off. But just how it goes, hopefully, as you say, Tom, we'll now see you know, more settled sides and then the data that we all use, you know, the underlying data should allow us to to pick some more winners. It's been it's been a pretty tough January so far. Yeah, things can only get better. You know, just a couple of wee nuggets last week, like Fabinho and um just a couple mm-hmm. that saved the day, but generally it is tough going just now just for, for the league, for the domestic stuff. So hopefully as you guys say, it'll be the team lineups are going to be a wee bit more predictable and you know we are running games, it's going to get a wee bit easier, I think. Yeah, I think it's important that you know we sort of maybe address the the, the poor runs that, that do happen now and again. They happen to everyone. Um, you know, anyone that says they win, you know, every single bet is is clearly lying. Um, but it's about a long-term profit and, and yes, you might have some weekends or some weeks that don't go well, but long-term is is where we need to look at and aim and uh, and I think that, you know, we can all say that long-term that, that, we've, that we've, you know, this podcast itself has done well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that the main thing is what some people don't realise is it, you can get good value bets that lose. Um, it's just kind of, if you've got the information and, the data, as you as you mentioned, kind of mixing up quantitative stuff with qualitative stuff, and you've done your in-depth research and you're beating the closing lines long term. That's that's uh, the trademark of a good punter, I guess. And when you're betting on these kind of markets that we're looking at, so yeah, yeah, so it's a good point that you raise that. But hopefully, you know, you know, uh, we, you know, we will be able to continue uh, producing a long-term profit. And on that note. I think we should probably dive into some European bets for yourself, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's, there's a side that I'm really keen to get with at the minute, and um, we've made a nice bit of profit on the on the channel with this side um, of late, and I'm going against a side that I think are just in absolute turmoil at the minute. So I'm going to take Strasbourg um, to score two or more goals. They're away at Bordeaux on Sunday, and you're getting around 10 to 11 with that. Um, I posted this up on, on my channel um, at r- really early in the week, actually. I think it was Monday um, at 11 to 10. So people on the channel got about two ticks bigger than the going price now, but I still think 10 to 11 is fine, to be honest, um, from what I've seen of Bordeaux of late. Um, it's a real mess there. Uh, it has been for probably a year, year or two now. 
with the ownership. Um, very kind of muddy details and it, it's the things that are coming out of that club really aren't, aren't good to see because it is a big club in France. Um, kind of similar kind of situation with San Etienne too. Two big clubs who are really struggling at the minute and with Bordeaux, um, they, they've got the the finances there are just really, really struggling and it means that three of their kind of most well-paid players, Bonon Koscielny, who we remember from Arsenal, Otavio and um, Samuel Kalou, have been kind of ostracised and uh, they've been told to look for new clubs. So Kalou is going to Watford, apparently, for a cut-price deal. They're not going to get much money back from from that. Um, and he's one of their strikers. And Koscielny's kind of come out in an interview and kind of said that he is really unhappy with the situation. It's not really fair. And it, it, it's been a shambles at that club all season. And really, when, when they've not even got Koscielny available and Otavio, who's a defensive midfielder, I just think defensively they're going to be even worse than they have been this season. And it's been a real tough watch for Bordeaux fans uh, from a defensive perspective this season. They've shipped 50 goals in 21 games, which is outrageously poor. And they've shipped two or more goals in 14 of the 21 games this season, including eight of the last 10, which is, would have seen this bet cop against Bordeaux. So, yeah, I'm really, really keen to side against Bordeaux this season for the rest of the season. I think you can get some nice early value back in against them if you get ahead of the market kind of once all this COVID stuff kind of stops and you, you've got some reliable team news and stuff like that, there are side that you can get against early doors. And I'm I'm just as willing to back Strasbourg as well. Um, we got involved with them on Wednesday night, just before we were recording. They were uh, away at Clermont Foot, um, who I mentioned to get against last week at Monaco, which ended up copying and they won 2-0. Very comfortable, deserved win. Um, there and they've they're away again, so they they have had less rest, which is probably factored into the price. But they're just flying at the minute. Um, before that game, they were sitting seventh. Uh, I think they've jumped up to fourth now with that win, which is brilliant work. Uh, big fan of the manager Julian Stefan, who I've mentioned before was was the Ren manager. Did a great job there. Um, and they've exceeded expectations, even though I did expect them to kind of be comfortably top half. They're really now in the reckoning for a European spot, and they're doing that without Habib Diallo and uh, one of the key centre-halves. They've both gone, but they've they've cruised through um, without them, which is a real credit to Stefan and the work he's doing there. They've got a really competitive squad. Uh, Ludovic Azok up front on fire. He scored nine in his last 14. Uh, Strasbourg have won four of the last, well, five of the last six now, if we include that game tonight. Uh, scoring two or more in eight of the last 12 and four of the last five away. So it's just a no-brainer for me. I think get Strasbourg on side. Um, look at Azok any time around the seven to five mark as well. Really good in the air. And as I mentioned with this, Bordeaux defence, he will get chances, he will get shots off. Um, so if he starts, you've got Gamero there, who scored tonight as well. So they're, they're stacked with options in midfield and up front. 
And yeah, they're just a team that have plenty of confidence, and it's completely the opposite with Bordeaux. So yeah, I'm all over the uh, Strasbourg to score two or more goals at 10 to 11. Uh, I think that's with Betfair and Paddy Power. Um, generally, you're looking at around five to six now about that bet. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably back it anything down to four to five. I think um, that, uh, that looks a great bet, Tom. I, I haven't quite got got round to, to updating my my uh, my fixtures for France yet. But if just quickly, I'll just pull the two sides together. Um, yeah. If you look at the expected points for Strasbourg in the last four matches, they'd be top. Um, yep. In the last eight matches, they'd be second. Last twelve matches, they'd be fourth. Um, on the model that, that I use, I'd have them as the sixth best away team. In comparison, Bordeaux, uh, they'd be 20th on the last four games from expected points. And I, I, my rankings have them as 19th. This looks an absolute cracking bet at that price. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been looking at the recent data as well, and it, it does stack up. Strasbourg have deserved to win these kind of games. And I uh, I watched a bit of the uh, Bordeaux game away against Rennes. Uh, there was 6-2 in that game, and it was just a, a sorry state of affairs, especially defensively. So Strasbourg to win around 21-20. to 20. I'd, I'd expect them to go off more 4-5, 8-11. But if you just take the goals, because, I mean, Bordeaux are well capable of scoring. Um, Albert Ellis up front has been in fine form, and... Uh, uh, Joe as well, the striker. So they've got players who can score. So instead of just taking the win and stressing yourself out, just take them to score two or more. Because if they do win, it's highly unlikely to be a one nil. And my next bet is in La Liga. Um, don't usually go into La Liga that much, but I just saw this price and it, it stood out to me. Um, Atletico Madrid, the host in Valencia. I'm going to take both teams to score. It's five to four with Unibet. Uh, not often you get five to four about BTTS in any match, really, uh, unless it's a, a really strong favourite. But uh, yeah, lots being kind of made about how good Atleti are at the back under Simeone, and, and rightly so. They have generally been very strong. But this season, I'm not as convinced with them defensively. Um, the Spanish press aren't either, uh, from the reviews that I've been reading. And they've actually um, seen BTTS cop in 60% of their league games. I mean, if you go back to kind of a couple of seasons before, that would be more like 33%, I'd hazard, hazard a guess at, because they were very obdurate. Uh, they were happy to keep games on relatively fine margins and just nick one nils, two nils. But this season, they've tried to play with a bit more freedom, I guess. Um, they have scored in 17 of 20 games, including eight of nine at home. So I do think they'll score, but um, I'm keen to kind of get Valencia on side with a goal here. I think that they can score. They've scored in 17 of 20. Um, they do have real threats going forward, Carlos Soler. Moncalo Guedes, uh, Maxi Gomez. Plenty of options. Held the Costas there from Leeds as well on loan. Um, so they've got options going forward. And although they've been good going forward, I mean, they've, they've seen BTTS land tonight, Wednesday night in the Cup against Sevilla as well. Um, it might be a league game, actually. So that was, that's only 
enhancing these figures. Um, th- these are coming from before that game. Um, but defensively, they they still have problems. And the manager, Jose Bordelas, who they got in from Hatafe, is known for real kind of sorting his sides out defensively. Hatafe games are extremely low scoring, but he's not got a handle on it defensively this season. They've conceded in 15 of 20, um, as I mentioned before, that severe game. And BTTS has landed in 75% of their games this season, including 80% away from the Mestaya. So they're seeing BTTS land an awful lot. The last seven games have seen this cop. So you're getting a a 5-4 to shot on something that's landed in almost 70% combined games this season, if if you take both teams as a sample size. And yeah, 5-4 to is just... It's a prize play more than anything. I'd make this more 10 to 11 each of two um, and as more of a pick So that might come in a little bit, I reckon. So I'm keen to get a little bit of that because Valencia on the break, they've got some dangerous players. They've got pace in that in that front line. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on Atleti defensively this season. So BTTS in Atletico Madrid versus Valencia at five to four with Unibets, uh, a couple of other firms around six to five as well. That looks like a nice way in. Thanks, mate. Two great prices there. Jerry, Scotland. Yeah, it's the Scottish Cup uh, this week. This weekend, lads. Uh, well, starting Thursday evening, actually. Um, Hibs are playing Cove Rangers on Thursday evening. Um, I've got three picks here for the Scottish Cup. Um, my first one is St Mirren, who are away to Air United. Um, St Mirren will take a big travelling support. They'll, they'll fill one of the ends behind the goals at Somerset Park in here. Um, probably a few thousand there for St Mirren. It's good to have the fans back in um, with a full uh, capacity at Parkhead on Monday night there. So it made a hell of a difference to the the, the atmosphere and the, the, the tempo of the game. So I'm expecting the same over the, the Scottish Cup weekend. St Mirren um, watched their highlights coming in last night against Dundee United. They won at Tandadice quite comfortably. It was their first one, admittedly, for a wee while, St Mirren, but they had a couple of cracking goals. Jay Henderson scored, Eamon Brophy scored. And Greg Kilty, probably his best game in a St Mirren shirt. So they look as if they're coming to the boil nicely, St Mirren, for this game. Um, United are pretty average. They're a bottom half team in the Championship. So they're stepping up in class here, if you like, against um, St Mirren, Premiership St Mirren. Air came unstuck last week to a team that's in the bottom half of the Championship, Morton. Now, Morton went off at 19-10. to 10, And we're getting a nice price on St Mirren here in my eyes, 20 um, we bet 365. I already stuck it on my channel. Um, just feel as if it should be a bit shorter. Skybet, as I've mentioned before, um, seem to be closer to mass at tissue prices. They're, they're, they've actually got some money, even money. They're kind of um, going the opposite way for all the rest of the bookmakers who seem to be following suit, taking a lead from bet 365 here. But I, I tend to think that Skybet's maybe closer to what some money should be. Um, I think some money with a big following here behind them will be too strong for you. Hopefully they can get the business done within the 90 minutes. And as I say, that's 20-90-20 with Bet365. There's only danger. They've got a guy, Tommy Adeloy, that scored a few goals this season. But other than that, they're pretty defensively set up. You know, a lot of journeymen that have been round the block a bit in, in uh, the Scottish League. So I expect St Mirren with their, the, um, you know, their Premiership class, if you like, to be too strong there. My second Pick chaps is Celtic. It's a half five game on Saturday. It's it's a price again that's standing out. As you say, Tom, sometimes a price just hits you. Um, 
Skybet are giving us four to five. Now, this price, hopefully it'll still be there when this podcast sees a later day tomorrow morning. Celtic to one to nil is four to five with Skybet. Just to put you in the picture, bet three, six, five or four to six. Um, and Hills are one to two on this. After me giving the Skybet the big build up with the last bet, St Mirren been finger on the pulse. It's the opposite with this one. It just looks way too generous. Celtic looked pretty good. The new Japanese boys, uh, Dazen Maeda scored the opening goal the other night there. Hatate looked a revelation in midfield. Ange Postacoglu will probably shake the pack. He'll freshen up the team, admittedly, for, for Monday night. But whatever team he puts out, it'll be a strong team. And I've seen Aloha once or twice this season. And Celtic should be way too strong here. They should be able to score how many goals that they're wanting to score really on the, on the evening, Saturday evening. So... I'm expecting most of the game Aloha to be camped in here. They've only got one decent player, Ewan Henderson, who I think is still going to be able to play, although he's in loan from Hearts. But the rest of the Aloha team, you know, the centre-halves and that are pretty slow. One of them's actually away at the African Nations, um, Fernando Mendy. So they'll, they'll be short at the back there. And I expect, I expect Celtic to give them a bit of a doing, to be fair. So if any of the, the guys tuning in the podcast and girls can get... Some of the 45 for Celtic to win to nil with Skybet before it disappears. Uh, good on them. Um, my third one is Aberdeen, who are at home to Edinburgh City. Um, I'm going for Aberdeen to score over three and a half goals, over 3.5 goals with Betfair of Paddy Power. They're against Edinburgh City. Big step up in class. Edinburgh City are in League Two in Scotland, so they're going up two or three divisions here to take on Aberdeen. Aberdeen looked good last night against Rangers. They were the better team against Rangers, the league leaders. So, again, I, know I like to put up a team that looks in good nick. Aberdeen certainly looked that last night. Um, a club like Aberdeen, one of the biggest clubs, obviously out with the, the old firm. This is their, their chance to have a good Scottish Cup run and possibly get to a semi-final, a final, a chance of lifting some silverware here. So, I expect Stephen Glass not to mess up mess about too much with his team selection given that Edinburgh City have, have picked up a wee bit in recent weeks so um, but Aberdeen if they go about their business in a professional manager a, a professional manner rather I can see them scoring a few here against Edinburgh City so 64 for Aberdeen to get over 3.5 goals is uh, with Betfair and Paddy Power Thanks mate I've got a sort of championship bet now I quickly want to discuss, and I'm going to take Huddersfield draw no bet at Reading. Um, when I was doing the research for this this afternoon, uh, you get just over even money on, on Huddersfield draw no bet. I had a quick look um, just before we started the podcast. It's down to about 1.95 now, obviously with Reading losing this evening. Um, but Huddersfield, me and Tom sort of talked quickly off air about this, and Probably looked, Huddersfield looked quite a good bet to, to be relegated at the start of the season, but they, they, they've done really well. They sit just outside the playoffs um, on 41 points. They've got one point fewer than Middlesbrough and West Brom. Um, I think it shows you that, that that this not might be the biggest and best squads in the championship, but collectively they're, they're doing well. Um, the games are generally low scoring. They average only one goal per game scored. And 1.07. So I don't think this will be a, a floodgates will be open. This will be end to end. But you can see where their good work is done. Against the top 10, uh, they have won t- twice and lost six. But against the bottom half, they've won eight and lost two. So they do look a bit flat track bully. Um, they don't lose too many games. I think the sort of mantra is if, if you're not going to win, whatever you do, don't lose. 
So away from home against the bottom half, it's one, two, drawn four, lost two. Um, but on expected points on the away table, they're actually seventh. Uh, again, a little bit surprised when I started digging into Huddersfield. Um, underlying stacks uh, for attack and defence look, look sort of mid-table, just below, above, sorry. They've got some quite good experience in their squad. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, who's been around, had big money moves, maybe lost his way a little bit, got Fraser Campbell. They've got Danny Ward up front, who, who's coming from Cardiff, and he seems to be the main the main striker at the moment. Um, they're two wing-backs in Thomas and Toffolo. If I pronounced that wrong, apologies. They've got seven and six assists this season for wing-backs. So they get the ball out wide, get the ball into the box quickly. Um, and Carlos Conlan, who's the manager, I think the pronunciation is right. He came, he's been moved up from the Leeds under 23 squads, uh, was first team coach under Bielsa, and he's done really well, much better than I was expecting. Uh, and they look a solid outfit. Um, and going back to that point I made about them being having one point less than Borough and West Brom, to have that after 20 games, I think shows you how good they are. And I don't, I don't think Borough or West Brom, who individually are better than Huddersfield, no doubt about that. I don't think you'd be getting over even money for a draw no bet. Uh, at Reading. Reading are a disaster. Um, they you know, recently lost 7-0 to Fulham. The last 14 games is now 1-2, drawn 3, lost 9. Uh, against top half, they've won twice, drawn twice and lost 10. Um, they beat Borough and Fulham, the two sides of the top half, um, both back in September. The Fulham game, they actually lost the XG 2.85 to 0.69. So quite, quite a, a lucky win. Uh, Attacking-wise, awful, just 0.9 xG, which is 22nd in the division. Uh, the other end, 1.5 xG against, which is 23rd, conceding 1.9 goals a game, which is the worst in the division. Um, and when looking under underlying statistics, uh, 22nd or below for all of the attacking and defensive um, uh, data, it's pretty poor. Uh, last four games on expected points. Last four games, they've been 24th, 8th, 23rd, 12th, 24th. So it's not a short period of time they've been that poor. They've been poor over a long period of time. I'm not convinced by the squad. Uh, I don't think Drinkwater and, and Dan uh, have added anything to the squad. If anything, they've made it slightly more unstable. I think they're compelled to play those two players most weeks if they're fit. Um, I don't think Dan played tonight, but they've got Hoylett in there. Uh, Morrison's captain, um, again, not 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 convinced on, and they're missing some missing both fullbacks uh, in the African Cup of Nations, so they're having to play uh, the youngsters or players out of position to cover those positions. Um, just not convinced by the whole squad, and to get Huddersfield at round about even money and a draw, no bet. So if it is a draw, we get our money back. The only way we'd lose this bet if we were reading to win. Uh, and considering they've only won two of their last 14 matches, that doesn't look a great shout. So Huddersfield, draw no bet at 1.95 on most bookies um, is, is my shout. I don't think that price will last. Tom, what else you got for us? Yeah, back in um, England, but I'm, I'm actually going to dip my turn to the National League. Um, I'll, I'll come on to that one second. Um yeah, I don't usually do this either, and um, I'm going to take the team that I support, Bradford City, um, on the handicap at Rochdale. Um, you can get the Bantams with a plus 0.25 start, so I put a quarter at 5-6 to six with bet victory, and I think that's very generous, all things considered. 
Um, it's it's not uh, not a massively pro Bradford angle. It's more anti Rochdale. Um, I got against them against Tramia uh, last weekend. I, I mentioned that that thirteen to ten was a cracking price about Tramia in that game. Uh, went two 0 up early on and saw the game out. Another clean sheet. Um, standard stuff from them. But Rochdale, yeah, very toothless. I thought. Um, I mentioned that they've lost their best two players in Morley, uh, the midfielder, and Jake Beasley, the top scorer. And I think Beasley's the only real natural finisher at that club, um, someone who can get into good areas. Uh, I think without him, they're, they're really lacking in the forward areas, and I just think that um, Dale has, has kind of been priced up a lot on data. I think... I think these days sometimes you've got to kind of look at data and, and see what teams are kind of being priced up too short because their XG kind of um, <clears throat> their XG ratios and uh, shots in the box. I mentioned deep completions. Rochdale, really high for them kind of things. But ultimately, I just don't think they've got as much quality in the squad uh, to actually finish these chances without them two players. So... Yeah, I think Rochdale at home being this short against a Bradford side who are probably going to have more fans there than Rochdale. Um, I've been, I'm going to the game and um, I've been many times to Rochdale and we we kind of get the whole side of the stadium and it's almost like a home game. We have a very good record there, from what I can remember anyway. One of the few places where we go and, and tend to get a result. And yeah, I just think that the the tide might start to turn with Bradford at the minute because two wins from three, uh, a good win away at Barrow in what wasn't a brilliant performance, but the show of real battling qualities to see that game out. Um, they were terrible against Carlisle, but I think Carlisle defensively have been really good of late under Millen, keeping clean sheets for fun. And they came back from one goal down, uh, albeit against 10 men against Salford, uh, and won that game, and deservedly so. that We were a much better side. Even, I mean, it was a very even game um, until the red, and then it was just constant Bradford pressure. And I think the the signings that they've made, Jamie Walker, the lad from Hearts, was excellent in that game. He got man of the match, which is not no real surprise to people who follow kind of um, Hearts, I know you'll probably know a bit more about him, Jerry. What do you think to that as a signing? Ah, he's a good good player, Tom. He just needs games. I mean, he was in and out at Hearts, so if Derek Adams gives him a run of games, I think you've got a good player there because he was always creative. Um, always creative, always good for a goal. So, yeah, he just needs a run, basically. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the positive thing. He came in and he got man of the match, even though he's someone who's probably only going to improve. And, it, yeah. you know, when you're just watching one of them games and you're like, it, it's sometimes just just how how players move, how they kind of find that extra yard, uh, the bravery on the ball to kind of make a long pass. Um, it, it's just something that stood out. It did look I mean, across the above. There's no shame in them not getting a, a game at Hearts now because Hearts are looking, you know, head and shoulders above, out with the old firm. They're, they're going to finish clear in third place this season. So yeah. not getting in that team isn't a disgrace for, for uh, Jamie Walker. So 
No, I think you've got a good one there, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that it's a it's a nice signing. Obviously, Adams knows that the SPL very well from his time with Ross County, and he, I think, um, the first uh, game that Adams had there, Walker scored against him. So yeah, he obviously yeah. remembers that, and um, yep. yeah, he he looks a real solid signing, and they've just signed um, a lad Matty Daly from Hartlepool on loan um, from Huddersfield. Sorry, was at Hartlepool. Uh, probably the best, one of the best players I've seen at Valley Parade this season. Hartlepool came to Valley Parade. Um, that's their only away win this season. It's our only home loss, <laughs> which is very typical of Bradford. But he was excellent in that game. Made stuff happen. I've seen him in a game. I think it might have been a pre-season game, the start of last season. Um, we were away at Huddersfield, and he was playing. And he looked really good then. So. It's just another kind of string to Adam's bow going forward. I mean, it's the competition for places now is so strong. I think players just have to step up. And if they're not on it, Adams should make changes. Um, now he's got players on the bench that he kind of believes in, his own players, because he's not had that this season. And yeah, I think I think that the Bantams can get a positive result here because Andy Cook's back. Uh, he he got, he came off after about half an hour at Carlisle. Um, he didn't look fit from minute one there. Um, apparently, it was a dead leg. I think it's something a bit more than that. But he came on, made a real nuisance of himself against uh, Salford. So he's back in the fold. Lee Angle, um s- still there. And uh, now Canavan, the captain, the centre-half's back. So it's pretty much a, a full-strength Bradford side at the minute. And... Um, I think that they'll, they'll be really well backed at Spotland. It's always a good day out. And yeah, I just think that it's been priced up massively on XG. R- Rochdale have lost five the last five. Um, so they're a team that are, are shipping goals. They've lost that little spark up front that they did have. So I think Bradford around two to one to win is a knocking bet as well. But the fact that you can make profit if they avoid defeat with backing them on a quarter start. Just looks a, a brilliant price to me, uh, and something that you can kind of get against the data, if you know what I mean. When you kind of notice that teams have lost players and that another team has brought uh, decent players in, so yeah, Bradford uh, plus a quarter. Um, I'll probably go to that game now on three 0 to Rochdale. But sorry, sorry, Bantams fans, if that does. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy um, your beer at Spotland, Tom. Enjoy your beers. <laughs> yeah, there's some nice pubs around there, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, we're going to go, yeah, as I mentioned, into the National League from our last bet, um, and that's Boreham Wood, a side that I, I want to really big up. Um, they're at home against Weymouth. They're around 2-5 to five to win, which I think is absolutely fair. Um, but you can get 8 to 11, uh, 1.73, if you take Boreham to win and under four and a half goals. Uh, that's with Coral and Skybet also. I think it's a, an absolutely knocking bet, this, because uh, Boreham Wood have been superb for a while now, and they're, they're always punching above their weight. Uh, it's, you think of the sides that are in the National League, the likes of Wrexham, Chesterfield, Grimsby, um, there's plenty more Stockport, well-backed. There's loads of big sides in that in that division, Knox County as well. 
And they're, they're right up there. If they actually win their games in hand, they'll go top of the league, um, which is mental because a lot of people kind of are just waiting for them to slip up and for the kind of cream to rise to the top, really. But I'm, I'm not having them. I've, I think Boreham would are serious this season. And I'm a massive fan of their manager, Luke Garrard. He's been linked with a Gillingham job. But I actually think he could wait and get a better job than that. To be honest, I think Gillingham is a bit of a basket case of a club at the minute. And if he just holds off until the summer, if he manages to get Boreham Wood up in that division, top top league one sides will be looking at him. He's only 36, um, so he's definitely one to look out for. He, he will be managing right at the top level, I think. Um, and it's because their defensive record is so good. It's, it's outrageous looking at the stats. Just looking at them here now, they've kept a clean sheet in 62% of the games this season. Now, considering we're halfway, halfway through the campaign, that, that is seriously impressive stuff. Six of the last seven at home, they've kept a clean sheet. Um, that's kind of where I'm heading here. I think that if you want to take Boreham Wood to win to nil, that's absolutely fine. But if I think that Garrard, the, the kind of manager he is, He'll be well aware of the games in hand that Boreham would have. Um, there's plenty of games coming up for them. And I think he'll be really kind of um, looking looking at the logistical side of things. And if they do go 1-2-0 up, he knows that he can rely on that defence to see the game out. So I don't think that they'll have to go health or leather. I think they'll be looking to conserve energy where they can. Um all but one of their 12 wins this season have come with under four and a half goals. Uh, all the home wins have seen under four and a half as well. So, yeah, I expect them to just cruise to a kind of 2-0, possibly 3-0 win against Weymouth. Um, Weymouth, they've done well to get into the National League. Um, it's It's not a... A huge club at that level. Um, I, I can remember them doing well kind of 10 years ago, I think it was. They were a side who were well-backed and then the money's come out of it. But they're back up into the National League now, but they're struggling. They're 21st in the league, um, but at the minute, they're a, they're a side that are really struggling for confidence. Lost seven on the bounce and away from home, they've lost eight of 10, the worst in the in the league. Um I just think that they're a, they're a side that are definitely not as well coached. They've not as they've not got as much resources uh, as a bar and wood. And um, yeah, I think the wood look a solid bet here. And um, just to boost that two to five to a backable eight to eleven by chucking in under four and a half just looks a no-brainer to me. I know that Weymouth games have been relatively high scoring, but. Boreham Wood just know that they can keep a clean sheet if they want to. They've done it more more than more times than probably any side in the EFL. And um, even if Weymouth score, you get 2-1 and 3-1 on your side here. So, yeah, that looks a, a brilliant bet to me. Boreham Wood to beat Weymouth and under four and a half goals. Um, I think that that's with Coral and Sky bet. Um, I think I'd probably back that down to about four to six, to be honest. Um, so yeah, eight to eleven looks at a cracking bet there. Thanks, mate. Always good to get a bit of non-league action. 
I might just take a quick bet and then, then we can head over to Jerry. Uh, I'm going to take Bournemouth over one and a half goals um, against Hull. So it's Bournemouth to score two or more goals. It's 1.83 currently. A uh, bit surprised by the odds um, when you consider Bournemouth's home form. 1-7, drawn three, lost two. Averaging 2.17 goals per home game. Uh, Bournemouth home games average 3.25 goals. They've scored in 11 of their 12. Uh, Blackburn was the only game they didn't. Uh, and Blackburn currently sit third. Uh, Hull are, are bottom six. Uh, they've scored one and a half goals in 10 of their 12 home games. Um, they lost 2-1 to Preston and 2-0 to, the Black, to, to, to Blackburn. Uh, 92% of their home games have gone over two and a half goals. Um, so goals do tend to be on the agenda when Bournemouth play at home. Third top scorers in the league with 43 goals. Um, we only be playing for, the, for, for second and below because Fulham have got 70 goals um, already this season. So third is 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 very impressive. Uh, XG of 1.64. Um, second for shots on target, fifth the touches in the box, second for shots on target in the box, etc. etc. They are impressive when, when they play at home. Fifth best expected points. And what I like about this bet is that generally the goals are shared around at Bournemouth. Solanke has got 18, but then you've got a lot of players that have chipped in with a number of assists um, or goals uh, in Anthony, Christie, uh, Lowe started scoring, Rogers, who's on loan from Man City. Billing should be back this week. He's got seven goals. Um, Scott Parker did say that they missed him uh, when they lost to Loon 3-2 last weekend. Um, so I think Bournemouth should have enough to score at least two goals. And they play Hull, who, yes, they've, they've, they've beaten Blackburn this evening. Um, but Blackburn maybe should have at least got on the score sheet. 1.51 XG with 15 shots. Um Hull on the road have only won three and lost eight, scoring just nine goals, which is 0.69 per game. And I think when you struggle to score goals, you're always going to be on the back foot. Um, conceded in nine of the 12, no clean sheet against the top 15 sides. Um, so against the top half, it's played six, one zero, lost six. And they've conceded one and a half goals in five of those six games. The only game they didn't was when they lost 1-0 to West Brom, and West Brom generated 2.78 XG that day. Um, so, again, good stats here. Um, looking at the underlying data, uh, 18th for shots conceded, 19th for shots on target, 17th for shots in the box. All looks pretty promising. 19th for away X uh, expected points, and 20th for XG ratio. Um, I'm just not convinced about, about uh, Hull. I know they kept the clean sheet tonight, but you know the back three of Jeeves, um, Bernard, uh, and uh, the, the other guy escapes me. They've all either been playing for Salford, Cheltenham, McConnell um, is the gate is the guy. Um, he, it's only his 21st game this evening and the last three seasons. Um, so again, don't think that they're overly experienced. And when you're playing against a team like Bournemouth, who have Serious aspirations of being in the Premier League. Got some very quality players. I think they might struggle. Huddersfield, Huddersfield might play them in the field. I think he's probably a little bit past it. Uh, and then Grant McCann. I think he did a good job at Donny. Uh, not great at, at Bournemouth, uh, uh, Peterborough, sorry. And done an OK job at Hull. Uh, he got them up. Um, but I think they're struggling now. The squad doesn't look great in depth. Uh, a lot of youngsters having to field positions. 
And I think Bournemouth will have too much. And at 1.83 for Bournemouth to score two or more uh, doesn't look a bad shout for me. Jerry, what else you got for us this evening? I'm going into the Premier League in England, James. Um, I'm going for Wolves, uh, a nice price, 13 to 8 with Spread X or SBK. Um, they're up against Brentford. I just feel as if Brentford, they came unstuck again tonight, uh, this evening, losing 3 1 to Man United. Um, they lost three goals at Anfield on Sunday as well. Um, just feel as if they've had a really tough schedule. Um, Three tough games in six days it's going to be when Wolves come calling. Um, just feel as if they're on the slide. Now, everybody's been sort of, you know, quite... Um, they've been a good watch Brentford for the start of the season. I think a lot of neutrals have kind of taken them to, to, to you know, taking them on board as a sort of second favourite team sort of thing. But I do think they are starting to slide down the, the division a wee bit now, obviously. But I think that's tough schedule. I think Wolves will be nice and fresh um, going there. Um, they've won the last two away from home. Wolves, Bruno Lage is doing really well with them. Um, they're eyeing up, you know, a really high finish in the league. They're they're basically breaking away in the top eight with the likes of the Man Uniteds and the Arsenal. So I must declare a vested interest in a high finish lads with four Wolves. But it's it's swaying me. It's no swaying me. I really fancy this bet. I just think it. Brentford, as I say, you know, after a promising start, I think they're going to start to struggle um, as the season go, goes on and on here. Um, Wolves 1-1-0 away for home at Brighton, 1-1-0 at Old Trafford against Man United. So they're starting to, you know, improve as the season's going on. Wolves starting to score a few goals, a couple of three-goal um, holes in the last couple of games, including the, the FA Cup. Um, just feel as if they'll be too strong here for Brentford. I think Brentford will fuel the pace a wee bit on Saturday. And I think uh, Wolves can come out with the three points here at a nice price, 13 to 8. As an aside, I was just checking this game before I come on to the pod. Peter Banks, referees here. Um, his last six games, he's had five cards. This is yellow cards. Five yellow cards. Four yellow cards. Eight, five, six, six in his last half a dozen Premier League games in England. So I think if MD, I wouldn't put MD off if they're getting interested in the cards. And this game also is a wee aside. Um, I think there was about seven or eight cards when they played early in the season. Brentford, in fairness, actually won at Wolves. So it should be a good game. should be a good watch. But uh, I fancy Wolves to be too strong here and 13 to 8 um, with Spread X at SBK as my English pick this week, guys. Thanks, mate. Uh, I'll just wrap up. Uh, I've got Coventry, QPR, both teams to score 1.83. 71 goals between these two sides. Um, Quite like Coventry. Mark Robbins has done a fantastic job there. Four clean sheets in 12 games would suggest maybe not the best game uh, for both teams to score. But uh, the clean sheets have been against Posh, who sit 22nd, Cardiff 20th, Birmingham 18th. And the other only other clean sheet was Borough um, back on the 6th of September. And Borough actually generated 1.17 XG that game. So um, tend to do better against uh, poorer sides. Only failed to score twice all season at home. Uh, Millwall and uh, Birmingham um, didn't score in those two games. But quite like um, what I see from attacking output from Coventry, uh, some excellent underlying stats, um, generally top six across those. We've got some decent players. Uh, I like Martin Waghorn. I think he's think he's good championship striker. Gordon's done well. Uh, and I'll probably get the pronunciation of this wrong, but Gugess, uh, who's their leading goal scorer, 
I'm sure Tom will laugh at me in a minute and correct me on my, <laughs> on my uh, pronunciation. Um, seems to be leading the line well. Uh, and I think they they have got the ability in them to score uh, against QPR, who um, have some fantastic both teams to score uh, stats. Um, mm. Games average, QPR average, so start again, QPR away games average 3.3 goals per game. 83% have seen over two and a half goals. 83% have seen both teams to score. They've scored in all 12 games on the road and conceded in 10 of 12. Cardiff and Hull are the only two sides that didn't. Uh, against the top eight away so far this season, there's been 16 goals in their four games. Um, good going forward, third for shots and target, second for shots in the box, all good stuff. Defensively, not, not that great. Conceded an average of 1.6 goals against... Uh, 18th. It's a side that's got serious aspirations uh, of you know, potentially finishing the top two. They're only five points behind Bournemouth in seconds. Uh, and conceding 1.6 goals on, on the road isn't clever. Um, but going forward, I think they've got some quality. Austin, Dykes, Gray, um, Chair, Willock, Johansson, uh, Adome. They've got some really good players going forward. But I do think they're set to the back. Uh, and I can see them you know, landing a, a punch uh, on Coventry. Uh, Coventry slowly slipping away uh, out of the top six. Uh, they've only won two of their last eight. Um, and I think QPR have got a bit more to play for than, than Coventry. I know it's early days. Um, and I can see both teams to score here. If you just look at, you know, the stats around QPR's away games, it just just screams goals. And at 1.83, I think it's a bad shot. Right, who wants to go first in the long shot? Actually, before we do that, Tom, I made a little note here. You mentioned the dangers of, of XG and rely on XG. Um, mm. Can we just elaborate a little bit on that and just give the listeners a, a little bit more of what you mean on that? I think it's a, a good point you raised. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're just taking the kind of basic XG stats and you just, you've just got the kind of most basic data uh, in terms of underlying performance, I think that... Ultimately, the bookmakers know that just as much as you do, um, and they price them up accordingly. So to try and find kind of an edge just from XG these days, it's becoming much harder, um, kind of the more freely available it's coming. But if you kind of have different different kind of stats, whether it be shot stats, shots in the box, as you mentioned, um, XG from open play or set pieces, you can kind of see where teams are creating from um, and then you could maybe kind of look and if the team's got a really high XG but it's all from set pieces, then you can kind of maybe look into the goal scorer markets and stuff like that um, but I, yeah, just more like you, you can't really do much betting these days purely on quantitative data because um Ultimately, as I mentioned, bookmakers have all that information available to them too. So it's about finding out stuff like team news. Like I mentioned last week, um, the players who are going to be at AFCON in, in Ligue 1, it's something I've looked really kind of deeply into. And the results that I'm seeing um, over the last couple of weeks have, have chimed very much with what I expected in the French League um, because teams are missing key players. I mean, I talked about Clermont Foot. Last week against Monaco, I think they ended up losing 3-4-0. Um, 
because their three main attackers were were all at AFCON and I don't think that that was factored too much into the price. So you've got to kind of look, think outside the box a little bit. You've got to kind of improve your knowledge when you get time on, on teams, what players are most influential. I think if you've got player XG data and stuff like that, that can really help too. Um, and, and, if, and if they are missing, you can kind of work out how much of a how much of a change that would have on the odds, in your opinion. Um, find out where where the bookies haven't kind of factored in that into the prices. Um, there, there's a website called Odds Portal, which I think is really useful. Which um, it means that you can kind of look at past closing lines in games, uh, seeing what prices teams go off at. So I've seen that claim on foot in these games against a team like Monaco were going off around about the same price, but they were missing the three best players, in my opinion. So um, that made that a real standout bet last week, and, and it copped with ease. So, yeah, I think it, if it, I think everyone knows about XG and stuff like that now. You've, that's a real good starting point because you can see what teams are performing. You can see where the table's lying. Um, but you've got to kind of look a bit deeper and, and kind of understand which players are key. Uh, team, that's where team news is huge, and that's where COVID's had a real a real impact when you're wanting to bet early doors. So, yeah, just say that for, for any punters out there, like, just don't go purely off the data all the time. You've got to kind of mix it up with some qualitative stuff, whether that be team news, whether it be manager quotes. I know a few people who to go kind of on the psychological side of things, kind of working out which managers would go uh, better against a different manager, etc. So, yeah, there's plenty of ways where you can kind of get that extra edge, but I think it's erring more onto, onto the kind of qualitative stuff rather than the quantitative stuff. Use yeah, it as I mean, a guide, not, not the gospel. Aye. Yeah, that's yep. exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I, I, I'm... I, I love data. I could sit all day and, and, and delve into each each of the main European leagues. But all it does, it gives me a good start. So yeah. what, what am I missing? What can't I tell from a team's results? Have they been lucky to win the last four? Have they been unlucky to lose the last two? And XG and data will give you that. Um, but once it points you in the right direction of a number of different games, it's then up to you as the punter to then go and work out you know, why why it's being priced in a certain way, what else are you missing? As you say, Tom, you know, go and look at, you know, what, what's the manager said on, on the last uh, press conference he's given? What did he say after the last result? Uh, are they play, are there players missing? There's much more than just data. Uh, yeah. And what XG doesn't, doesn't give you is, if you're getting in the box but not getting your shots off because you're fighting to pull the trigger, that, that's not, that's not going to be reflected in the XG um, yeah. which can actually be quite misleading. Um, plenty of sides, as we've known over the years, look at Arsenal under Wenger. They used to pass the, pass the ball all, almost into the net. Um, that's not always going to be reflected in XG. So it's it's a good guide, yeah, but as, as Tom says, shouldn't be the gospel and the be-end and end-all. There's more to it than just that. Yeah, so, I, I just go, I go back to that, that Bradford pick, like... If, if that game was happening, I don't know, 30 years ago, before anyone had any idea of XG, um, you'd see Dale have lost four of the last five, Bradford have won two of the last three, Bradford generally a much stronger squad, more, much more strength in depth, 
they'd probably be going off favourites. I'd had, hazard a guess that, but because the bookmakers are so heavy, heavily reliant on this XG stuff, and they're, they're always keen on Rochdale, um, but I, I don't think that they factored into the team news stuff that I mentioned. I mean, the two best players have gone in January, um, and their form isn't as good. So, yeah, I think when you see Rochdale, were probably. 14 favourites for promotion, where Bradford were top three at the start of the season as well. Kind of looking back to their anti-post uh, betting, betting kind of guides and stuff like that, you can kind of work out what teams are probably stronger ultimately in terms of team and depth. Um, you can you can notice that from the from the uh, the anti-post stuff as well. So that that just shows you how much it's kind of shifted. Um, but that's where you can kind of get that edge, I think, if you just kind of get a side on at the right time um, to get against or get with. Yeah, Spawn. I think, you know, uh, XG has its place, but not yeah. to look too bogged down, I think is, is, is the key. Who wants to go first in the long shot? I'll let Jerry go for it this time. I'll go for it first this week. Um... I'm going for a two-each draw between Cowdenbeath and Stranraer. It's not a Scottish Cup game, it's a League 2 game in Scotland. Um, reason for picking this one out, Stranraer's games lately have been awash with goals. There's been three-eaches, three-twos a couple of times. Both teams to score have, have it's come up in the last four out of four. And in the last dozen games, it's come up nine out of 12, both teams to score. Incredibly, there are 10 away matches in the league this season. Stranraer, 9 out of 10 of them have seen both teams score. The only, the only time it didn't come up is when Stranraer lost 1-0 at Kelty. Um, so, Cowdenbeath have picked up. They're the worst team in the league, but they've picked up in the last few weeks. Uh, they've scored in three games in a row, which is a big achievement for them. They actually had a cracking 2-0 away win last week at Stenhouse Muir. Cowdenbeath, so Morris Ross is starting to get a wee tune out of them. They've brought a couple of guys over for the States, young guys that have um, settled into the team quite nicely. So I think that's a, it's definitely a game that's got goals about it. The two each draws got a chance. It's 14 to 1, we bet 3 6 5. Stranar's last seven league games have had 29 goals, so they can't keep clean sheets. Expect Cowdenbeath to give a good account of themselves here. And I think, you know, I wouldn't put MD off doing the three twos either, but two each I'm going to put up for this week's long shot, guys. Thanks, mate. Tom? Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm going into the Friday night game, actually. Um, huge game. Watford against Norwich. Um and there's a player that I just think hasn't had much attention this season, mainly because he hasn't really started an awful lot of games. But at the minute, he has been, and that's Gel Pedro, uh, the striker um, for Watford. Scored that brilliant header, didn't he, at Newcastle? I love love them kind of goals where centre forward really gets a leap on his man. Uh, brilliant header to get them a point there, which was huge. Um, I'm going to take him to score in this game and be carded. Um, it's around 16 to 1 with Bet365 and Bet Victor. Um, at the minute, Betfair don't have the card prices up, but they're by far the best price on him to score at 5 to 2. So I, I'd hazard as a, a guess that he'd be around 20 to 1 to score and be carded with Betfair. You're generally looking around four or five to one for him to be carded. So, yeah, I think you should be able to get 21 with them. Um, I'll put pop it on my Twitter once it does come live. 
Um, yeah, so I, th- I think that he, he's a player that I absolutely loved watching in the championship when Watford did go, come up. Um, he put himself about. He bagged nine in 31 in that season. Um, he was only 19, 18, 19 that year. Uh, he's 20 now. Um, it, it's quite funny, actually, because Watford uh, signed Richarlison from the same club in Brazil, I believe, Fluminense. And I think that João Pedro is very kind of similar player. He's, he's mobile, um, good finisher. He's brave. You know, he's good in the air. He's got very similar attributes, in, in my opinion. I think that he could be someone who Watford could make a fair bit of money on. Uh, I'm glad that he's getting starts now because he, he does look like a dangerous, dangerous player. And I think that he's coming up against this Norwich side that have shipped 45 goals this season in 21 games, I believe. The XG against is around 41. So it, it's not much of a surprise. Um, and I just I've been looking at his stats, João Pedro, and his, his shot stats are really strong actually. Um, in the seven games where he's had forty-five minutes or more, he's had managed two or more shots in five of those, averaging three point two shots per ninety minutes as well. Uh, he also scored. Uh, I had a little dabble on him at Leicester in the cup, uh, five to one anytime. Scored in that game. And, yeah, I think that this is the best opponent for him of Norwich side that are really struggling to keep clean sheets. I know that they got that win against Everton, but that, that is Everton. Uh, where <laughs> Rich Allison, funnily enough, did score in that game. So, yeah, I think his mate, um, João Pedro, is a good bet here. And just on him to be carded, uh, there's a couple kind of strands to my thinking here. Um, obviously, it's a massive game, and... If he does score, you've always got that potential of him either running into the crowd or taking his top off or doing something stupid after he does score, which inevitably leads to a card. We've seen that happen a lot recently, actually. Um, so you got kind of got that on your side, but he did get five cards in that championship campaign. Um, does put himself about. We've seen Emmanuel Dennis, uh, the other forward for Watford, I think he's had more cards than anyone else in the Premier League this season. Certainly had the most fouls. So Watford are aside under Ranieri that defend from the front. I think he, he's going to put himself about, happy to get stuck in. And we've got Mike Dean as a referee. So, yeah, I think it is, it's kind of a perfect storm, really. Um, he was booked earlier in the season against Southampton as well. So... I reckon you should be able to get 20 to 1, but there is some 16 to 1 about with Bet365 and Bet Victor on Gel Pedro to score and be carded on Friday night in that big game at Vicarage Road. Yeah, nice angle. Um, my long shot, uh, we talked about how XG shouldn't be the only thing you look at. So I'm going to take uh, a, a bet that looks a bit odd. I'm going to take Leeds and Newcastle. Both teams to pick up a card and both teams to score two or more goals each. Um, so Chris Kavner's the referee. Uh, he has booked both teams in 100% of his Premier League games this season. Uh, Leeds have been booked at home in 90% of their home games. And then uh, Newcastle have picked up a card in 89% of their away games. So both teams to pick up a card look, looks a bit of a given. Newcastle at some point have to win. They're, they're struggling. Uh, obviously, big aspirations with the money coming in. They've got 12 points. 
Leeds have got 22. So if Watford were to beat Norwich on Friday night, Newcastle then become five points from safety. So at what point do Leeds, at what point sorry, do Newcastle have to say, right, today's the day, we're going to have to go out, we're going to take a game to someone, got to score some goals. You know how Leeds are going to play. You know Leeds are going to attack. West Ham last weekend was typical Leeds. Didn't matter what the score was, we're going to attack. Not going to change it. They're not going to be 1-0 up with 15 to go and start knocking the ball in the corner. It's just how Leeds and Bielsa want Leeds to play, and that's how they're going to do it. So Leeds, only two clean sheets at home, um, Palace and Watford. They've only failed to keep one, sorry, they've only failed to score in one occasion, Liverpool. Newcastle have conceded in every single away game this season, and they've failed to score on just three times uh, so far and away, which means jointly there's two clean sheets in 19 games, and jointly they've only failed to score in four of the 19 games as well. Only Norwich have conceded more than both of these two sides. Then on top of that, you've got Newcastle conceding 2.2 goals on the road. Leeds conceding 1.6 goals. But then Fernandez and Clark appear to be out for Newcastle. So they've got no uh, first-class centre-halves. Uh, the Cells, I think, is also going to be out. Um, Trippi will play right back, uh, which obviously is good. Wood will play, no doubt. Hayden Mullins is also out for, for Newcastle. And then Leeds have got a whole heap of injuries. Shackleton, Phillips, Cooper, Forshaw, Frimpo, they're all going to be out and injured. So between the two sides, not a whole host of, of fit uh, centre-half defenders or defensive midfield players, which I think could lead to goals. Um, and both sides have scored two or more goals each and over one, sorry, and both teams have picked up a card. Um, is about six to one. Um, and I don't think that's a bad shout. We've seen from Leeds last week what, what they're about. Newcastle have got to go at it. At some point, they've got to throw caution to the wind and look to get a, a win under Howe. It's now 1-1, one, one, drawn four, lost four. Uh, it's not looking good for them. They're not going to be able to, you know, they're not going to be able to be the big club they want to be in the championship if they get relegated. So a Watford win on Friday night will put even more pressure on Newcastle. Uh, and uh, with their defensive record and, and Leeds' ability to score goals, uh, I think we should see some goals. The other li- other little bit I like that is Mancunio should come back at left back. He will face uh, Rafinha, and he's just about four to one for a card, and that's not a bad chat either. Sounds good that long shot. I think I'll have a wee point on that. It, I mean, as I said cards are cards are given. I think, but at what point do Newcastle say, "Well, <laughs> got to win a game"? Yeah. 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 You know, it's all very well being the richest club in the world, but if you're playing a championship, you're not going to attract the players you need. I think that's a problem, isn't it? The play- some of the players I've been looking at are worried that they're going to be in the championship. So, although they were going, to, they could become one of the, the, the richest players, but they don't know what to play their stuff in the championship, are they? No, but I do, yeah, absolutely. But Chris Wood, I think, is a good signing. Weakens Burnley. I think Wood will love love the opportunity to play. You know, potentially he's going to be ailing at centre half for. Uh, for Leeds, I think we could have a field day if, if it's him and one other. Um, and the other end, you, you can't see Newcastle keeping a clean sheet, can you? You know Leeds are going to attack, attack, attack. So, yeah, that's the long shot. It's about six to one. Um, hopefully a good game on, on Saturday afternoon. Brilliant. All right, well, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening. Uh, we'll be back next week for the next edition of the Three Points Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>